Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Uh, we're going to we just have a quick thought before we get into the show today. Yeah, I, I, I know that this is a theme that continues over and over with me because um, I'm easily annoyed. Um, and, but, but, you know, when you're watching, like we are, when you're watching the same, uh, watching the game on national television in the U S and, um, NBCSN will repeat the same commercials over and over. And, and I think that the are doing it on NBC for select games and the, the same commercials get to annoy you, especially if they're really bad or they don't mesh with the product that they're advertising with. And that's the one I have a problem with this Jägermeister. I mean, Jägermeister is a major advertiser for the NHL during the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And you have this for, I mean, for lack of a better term, dominatrix uh, that comes on the screen with a thermometer in the, uh, in the, uh, the shot glass and, you know, some exotically dressed lady, and, and they're making all these like hockey analogies to Jägermeister. And it's just like, it, it just I talk about the advertising agencies for NBC or who's pitching this. Try to put the commercial in context with the game. What does Jägermeister and like, you know, sort of, I mean, whatever they're trying to promote there have anything to do with hockey or even close to do with hockey. It has nothing. It's weird. It's well, really strange. I, I, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you because I just looked up the meaning of it and it's supposed to be an underground club. So they're not doing this for you. They're doing it for 20 year olds. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, maybe that's I what, finally, that's, what you're doing. that's you're not going to any underground clubs, but they are. So, <laughs> point. Letting you know, it's a good point. It's a good point for sure. Yeah. But you know, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know, Russ, I, I don't know how, because if they're advertising for millennials, Right. I don't know many millennials that are into like, you know, I mean, the, like I said, the girl looks like uh, she's just ready to break out a bull whip and start whipping people. It's just, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, millennials are probably watching on their phone at a club. Like I, I wouldn't put that past anybody. I, cause if, at that age, I wouldn't have stayed home for a lot of games. I would have watched it out too. But in our day, we probably would have watched it in a bar. But nowadays you definitely could watch the game at an underground club. So I, I, I'm just saying it's a weird commercial, but I'm just telling you, yeah, actually here, see, there is a, an article how Jägermeister is wooing millennials at EDM fest. And that's what that is. That's an EDM concert. Wow. I've been to an EDM concert. So I can tell you that aside from how she dressed, it's pretty accurate. So you're I'm just be saying it's you're, you're better off advertising for Bud Light. <laughs> I don't think so. Bud Light's a different audience. See, that's, Nobody's drinking Bud Light at an EDM show. Well, I mean, like, I'm not drinking Bud Light because you, it's you want to know, here's the funny thing. There's a guy named Zed and he's pretty massive. If you look him up, he's got all kinds of hits. He's got a lot of money. If you look up 
what the number one drink is in an EDM show? It's going to be water. Hmm. Really? There actually weren't a lot of drunk people at, at a couple of shows that I went to. They're at bars, but a lot a lot of people are 21 yeah. and under. I, I don't know. Well, that's a, that's the thing, Russ. I don't know how many millennials are into Jaeger bombs, and that, that's the thing. It's like I mean, I know what it is because shots. people of my generation drank drink them or drank them. No, but they do shots. I mean, the, the twenty one is older. The I mean, shots you, are a big. If you want something that tastes like cough syrup, have a Jaeger bomb. There you go. <laughs> I've never had one, so I can't tell you. Yeah. I've had it. I've had it, and and Mike's not that far off. It's like the green cough medicine. But anyhow. Yeah. Right, it's it, it, Jägermeister, and I'm not, you know, it's like it to each his own. I mean, there are people who love yeah. it. It tastes like Robitussin. That's really what it tastes like. I just got a text from people at Jägermeister. They're canceling our sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. I I, I want to know. I want to know when their first check from our sponsorship is coming. That's what I would like to know. <laughs> yeah, the, the first of never. What is the that? The first of never. Yeah, no, it's not gonna happen. Nope, 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 nope. It ain't happening. You pay me money, I'll love your product. Yeah, Michael, drink it on the air. Um, all right. <laughs> Take a boost. Ah, yeah, I wish I could get that. They can only be bought and sold in one county in New Jersey, so it's a pointless advertising campaign. I mean, I'll get it for you, but, you know, there's going to be, like, a running cost. Yeah, right. We got to ship it out to you? Definitely. Yeah, it's Absolutely. sold in one county in New Jersey and in Venezuela. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's legal anywhere else in the world. It's 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 like from the early 1900s before anybody cared about anything. Yes, yeah, so when Coca Cola was made with cocaine. Yeah, yeah right. Secret ingredients in it, and you know. yeah, it's delicious though. <laughs> I, I have delicious some is a strong word. Yes. No, it is. I have some. Plus, you tried it. it, right? You tried I did it. try it, and and it was not delicious. It wasn't horrible, <laughs> but the problem is delicious. you have to try it when you're. It it is the best drink. Like if you're real, if you're if you're exercising outside, like playing a bunch of like playing street hockey outside for a bunch sure. of hours, you're really hot. It's incredible. Like it's amazing in that in that. Like, okay, so if we're gonna flash back to when I was like 16, 17, and I was either playing hockey outdoors all day, or basketball, or uh, even paddle ball for a while, or handball, I would just go to the local grocery store and I would get like the equivalent of the Turkey Hill iced tea. Now. Yep. Nowadays, is that my number one choice? No, because no. it's like a sweet, gooey mess. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, well, it's, it's, okay. I mean, health. Let's from a health perspective. I'm not. But it does it taste good when I'm totally dehydrated. Well, okay. So well, maybe no, it, it, and, and the thing, good. and the thing is, is, like when I was a kid, you know, we had a Seven Eleven that was like a couple blocks away. So after we'd go play softball or baseball or whatever, mm -hmm. we'd go down and get a a, a big gulp. You know, and, and right. usually, and it would, you know, it's 64 ounces of Coke. Of Coke. So it's like two, 200, 200 grams of sugar. And then there's a reason why I'm a type 2 diabetic. And there you go. The issue with Coke right after you exercise like that is you can't drink it really fast because it's carbonated. But like yeah. the, so but the idea of, of, That's of why this. That's why the iced tea work better. Right. And take a boost is not carbonated. You can just guzzle it. Right. Well, right. I mean, the, car the carbonation is one of the things that I like. Plus, Coke has got a lot of sodium in it. Yeah, and it's actually it's good in terms of it's, you know it's good in terms of re actually retaining water in your system if that's what you know yeah and after after you've like sweated for a bunch of you know you want something that will retain. Now I'll right. tell you something you don't want to do, and I did this. We we played in the softball championship and we lost, but we um but we celebrated after, so we went to a bar, and one guy in our team who who actually is down in the Carolina area now. He used to be up here. 
he bought me a Smirnoff ice and he goes, now you got to get iced. And I said, what's that? And he goes, you got to guzzle it. And we had just either played, oh. we either played, you know, like a full game in 90 degree heat or double header 90 degree heat. I can't remember. And I did it right. And oh. I could just see the, feel the glucose content in my body rising. And I swear I almost passed out just from that. Well, the, what's close cool. sugar in it. What's close to that, and then we'll get on to hockey here, because I know people are loving this. Uh, <laughs> what's what's close to that is back in the day in the '90s, the popular drink was Zima. Yeah, Zima tasted like dirty water or flat Sprite. It was disgusting, but everybody was drinking it. So, like, I had a few. It it was it was it was so gross. I couldn't you drink it when you were drinking that Zima. Like, what's that? You have hair back then when you were drinking a Zima? I have hair now. Not much, but I have it. <laughs> you have more hair back then, Mike, than you do yes, now? Yes, I did have more hair, Russell. There Thank you. you. Well, yeah. for, unfortunately, you didn't. but and No, no, I did until I was about 35. I have picked oh, okay, okay. Today's pre-show is for David Buckley out there who said on our comment list yesterday that he likes the pre-shows. So there we go. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. I just, I just want everybody to picture Mike, you know, a little thinner with a lot of hair drinking. No, no, no. I'm thinner now than I was oh, in my okay. I, I've 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 gotten healthy recently. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you have it. All right, kids, let's get started. Yes. Okay. Well, the date is the 18th. Right. Hello, hockey world. It's Friday, May 18th, 2018. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast or listening to the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday in the afternoons to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. We come to you all year long, so. We're not just we're not just here that now because it's the playoffs. We'll be here through the summer when no one else does their podcast. When everybody else decides that they have better things to do with their lives, we don't. <laughs> wow. We don't have anything better to do with our lives. We're here Monday through Friday, and we're going to still be here talking hockey with you all summer long. So we've got lots of stuff to talk about there. Um, we're going to get into some fun rumors today for sure. But uh, we're going to start with the with the game from last night, and uh, you know, so Mike, of course, you know, is initially going is going to argue that this is a Capitals choking situation, which oh, I think. Yeah. Is, which I think is completely absurd, given that the Lightning didn't have a shot for 20 straight minutes and were 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 inundated. Uh, this, this this was a Vasilevsky situation that well, happened last I mean, night. Well, there's 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 two there's two things at play here. One, Vasilevsky in the first two games, and I said it after game two, he was the main reason why Tampa Bay lost those yep. two games. The goals at the end of the periods, you know, goals that I think are stoppable that he didn't stop. In game three, he stepped up. He played really well, especially in the first period. And he was unbelievable yesterday. I mean, yeah. you know, it, that, that is the main reason for the Tampa Bay victory. Now, I, what I, what I'm saying things a little tongue-in-cheek here, but now I think the psychological aspect of this is why I said at the end of the game, uh, you know, the, that EMTs at the Capital One Arena should be on alert to perform massive Heimlich maneuvers on 20 players because unless they resort to something that they haven't in the past, this is where the Capitals will – fall apart now maybe they're different this year i'll you know i'm not casting judgments i'm saying i'm gonna i'm gonna watch but usually over the last five six seven years this is where they collapse and now they're now they're facing adversity because they had they they were in the same position that columbus was in in the first round they had the first two games going home all they need is a split 
All they needed was to win one. They'd be up three to one, going back to Tampa, all the pressures on Tampa. Now it's two, two and all the momentum is in Tampa's favor. And they really didn't, I don't think they made unless, you know, except for Vasilevsky, they, they really didn't deserve to win that game, but three goals on what? 18 shots, Russ. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Look, Backstrom was a pretty much a non-factor, right? Yeah. I saw one tweet. He won two face-offs early on, yeah, and then after that, he he didn't do much. So, yeah. Nick Backstrom was a non-factor. Okay, uh, there but was, yet, but, but yet, but yet, he was still out there in the final two minutes of regulation, down by a goal. Because that's what coaches do, Mike. You know that. Here's yeah. the thing. The thing that got me in this game was Alex Ovechkin. If he didn't choke, he was playing very tight he had he could not hit the i mean for the amount of shots he was taking he could barely hit the net he had so many good scoring chances that he passed up with a pass that made no sense like this is a guy that's supposed to score goals and all of a sudden yesterday he's trying to get a perfect pass in to set up a teammate like i didn't get it and then he had shots that went flying wildly over the net and in the corner and i was not impressed with the game he played for that night. Most of the series I have been. Uh, I thought everybody else in the Capitals were fine. I actually thought Vasilevsky was great. Even Brooks Orpik played a good game. I mean. Yeah. I thought I thought the Caps played pretty well. I mean, I, I do think that Backstrom, you know, I don't, I, it, it's very risky to bring him back in the, if he's not 100%, you know, and because, and for more reasons, just re-injuring him also just for, re, for, for chemistry issues, right? So that's like, right. That's a big thing. I'll always remember, you know, the Flyers bringing back Eric Lindros for a game seven, you know, in the playoffs one time or, or, or Stamkos in game seven for Tampa Bay a couple of years ago. It's yeah, where you bring somebody like that back in. And it's just, if your team is playing well, like if your team's on a roll, it, it can definitely change things a lot. If you bring well, a superstar back. Well, to that, to that point, it's like, okay, you have Backstrom. He's that extra bullet in the chamber that you, that, you know, okay. Break the glass, bring Brett Backstrom back, even if he's less than 100%. It tells you the the inside of, of the Capitals right now that they thought that they had to bring him back in game four, up two games to one, because they realized you know, where they were in this series. And I have to say, even though it was probably an honest expression of emotion, when, when Ovechkin... Uh, after the game, I don't know if he broke the stick over the over the goal post, yeah, over the yeah. crossbar, or what, what whatever he did. Because I was I was looking the other way, but I know he did something. That tells you all you need to know about the mindset of the Capitals. They 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 now think they've I don't think they've blown the series, but I, they they now know that they blew an advantage that they they didn't think they were going to have, and now. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is in control. Now, Tampa Bay could very easily give Washington control back of the series because they didn't prove anything in the first two games at home that they could play with desperation. And and game four, really, they were saved by their goaltender. But I think all the pressure now is on Washington because of this psychological factor that they've been dealing with, with for years. No, but I disagree with that because they came okay. overcame adversity last round. They Playing on the road, they don't feel any pressure. So I actually don't think they'll feel any pressure okay. in Tampa. Um, I do think Lars Eller needs to sit, though, because he had maybe one of the worst games of anybody in any playoff. You want to talk about just giving away power play after power play with dumb play? with dumb. I mean, you five. know if you put Tampa on the power play, they're pretty much going to score. He had five. Was it five? He's had five minors in the last two games. Yeah, I mean, you got to sit him. I mean, this is if, – if there's one thing you want to rip Barry Trotz for, it's that. Lars Eller needs to sit. 
He's been good though. He's been good on except for this part. But he's not. The, the negative is way worse than way better than the positive. He was yeah. good last round. He's not good now. Yeah, yeah. It might be. It's it's not a bad point. I mean, I, I think this is still a this is still a very much up in the air series because oh, I I do it think is. Tampa didn't play that well. I think if Vasilevsky stole a game. I feel like the Caps are playing better as a team than Tampa is. Um, in general, and I even thought in Game Three, even I, I thought there were point, points in Game Three where the Caps totally the Caps have the ability to dominate Tampa. Tampa does not seem to have the ability to dominate the Caps, and right. you know was, they can dominate the power play. That's what they can do. Well, the power play, yeah, they're deadly. I mean, when you look at what they've got in the power play, it's crazy, right? So that's like that is no, there's no question when you have Stamkos on one side, Kucherov that's on the other. Edge. Yeah, and you know, and my gosh, you know that that power play is lethal i mean they had this incredible thing on um the nhl network of like they had 21 passes in a row on the power play or something like that where they before the caps touched the puck it was something crazy like that i mean this is their ability to move the puck around the skill level that they have is is insane and i thought i did think that last penalty that gave them power play was a little bit iffy like i felt like i was a little bit maybe but to me i hate something called at that point in the game of a game like this of that importance you know like it, it wasn't was really iffy. I felt it just feel it just feels like this series is going to go to seven yeah. because the Capitals won't win Game Six at home, and and we're still going to be talking about this going into Game Seven, and then they very well could walk in and win Game Seven and and never win at home. Like this is yeah, yeah. this is a bizarre thing. Well, right now, all the teams in the playoffs, with the exception of Vegas, are right. uh, appear to be better on the road. You know, it, it, yeah. it's really right. and it is a strange thing, and there's a lot to it. We've talked about before um, being at home. But they're um, the biggest example. Like Vegas is yeah. the biggest example of home ice advantage. Yeah. Caps are the biggest example of home but, ice disadvantage. Yeah. But even but even in Game Three in Vegas, I mean, there were there was long stretches where Winnipeg was just dominating. So oh, yeah, yeah. They, they were able to they were able to win. But yeah, I mean, I mean now see now the onus is on Tampa. We we excoriated them in the first two games for not showing up. They showed up in game three. They really didn't show up as much in game in game four, but they were opportunistic and they evened the series. Now that you know, the team that most people, including myself, think is the best team in the postseason has to step up and step on the Capitals' neck. And that's if you win game five, then the worst thing you do is you have game seven at home. They gotta do that when they play game when they play game mm-hmm. five in Tampa. If they don't, then they've just given the Capitals, the series, the the onus on the series back to them, and then Washington. But that's the thing, Mike. I think this is going to keep getting volleyed back and forth. You may, might, you may very well be right, but I mean, yeah. somebody who's got to win a, a home game once or once a one, you know, once no, once no, a blue moon. Win a home game in this series. That's oh. the funny thing. Well, yeah, the, this is this is playing out the this is playing out the same as I mean, Columbus won two games in Washington. Washington won two games in Columbus. Right. And then Washington won in overtime in Game Five, I believe. So yeah. finally, some team did win at home, and I think eventually somebody, whoever breaks through at home, will win the series, which is weird to say. Yeah. No, I think you're. I think you're right. I think. I think it is going to come. I think it's going to come down to that, and it. 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 To me. <sighs> I don't think the Caps are going to lose another game at home. I, I, I just I feel like they, they have not played – they didn't play bad enough. At, I felt, felt like Tampa played worse in the first two games than, than the Caps played in games three and four. Like I, That's to me – I mean, I don't know. That's really – I really felt like Tampa was worse in games one and two than I, the Caps were in three and four. I, well, I, I, think, I think Tampa played about as bad as they did in game one and two in game four. The difference was Vasilevsky was on. And that, you know, I mean, well, that's less. It, it was more than that, though, and it was more than the power play. 
Dan Girardi played an amazing game. Like that was the best game I've seen Dan Girardi play as, as a member of Tampa. Like he, he did everything right. He did every clear right. He, he was physical. He kept everything to the outside. That made a big difference for Vasilevsky too. So, and McDonough came out of that game with a shiner and every ex Ranger fan was talking about it on Twitter, which was kind of funny because again, he has a nickname for Mack truck for a reason. Like this guy will play really, really hurt. And that's just, you know, you, if you elbow him like that, right. It just gets him madder. Like that's just, he's that kind of guy that will just come at you twice as hard. And so I'm not sure who gave that shot to him, but <laughs> it did look bad. People, I did ISOs of that, and it looked like he was a zombie. It did. Oh yeah, no, and, he did, and he's a funny guy though. You know, man. And and to to your point about Ovechkin, that Kuznetsov goal, that was the, that was the type of play he was trying to make all game—a yes. backhanded pass across across the zone. You know that went it's was not right. Trying to make it, just shoot the puck. Right, he. You know that that's the thing, and, and I saw I saw it late in regulation too. He he took the puck, he got into the zone, and it was like one on five, and he was trying to do it all by himself. And then, how many years does this guy have to be in the league to realize he's got to use his teammates to be able to win? It's still got the Claude Giroux mentality of a two on one where he's always going to pass it. Like it's just not this yeah. year, not this year as much, but used to. Um, the other thing that was kind of interesting that I don't think is fair because every great star does this. There were a lot of Ranger fans online basically ripping the Capitals saying, well, look, when the Rangers played, look where Ovechkin would set up for a shot in the exact same spot he sets up now. But to be honest, most great players set up in the exact same spot to <laughs> yeah. score their goals. Yeah. yeah I understand what the argument is with that. Yeah. It's, it's why, why are they arguing about that? Why are they saying well, Because they're basically saying that like McDonough and Girardi, they know what Ovechkin's going to do. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Everybody knows but, what Ovechkin's going to do. Yeah. I mean, no, they, they, I mean, they have scouts for reasons. And, and plus, we've, I mean, everybody who's watched hockey for the last people were writing and I was yeah. laughing about that. Ovechkin used to make the same inside out move the first three or four years of his career because it kept working and he had to change right. after he, after people started like pushing them the other way. Like, I mean, yeah, you, you keep going to the well until somebody can stop you. Right. So, you know, if he's going to, he's going to set up at the face off dot for a one timer. Okay. Stop him. I know. That's what everybody kept saying. Well, he's on that left face off. Dot. And it's like, that's what he does. Yeah. Like, stop him. You know, it's coming. And when his shots that good, it really is hard to stop. But again, what, 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 what I, what I was surprised at, and this is just like, this is minutia, but a couple times late in regulation when they had the goaltender pulled and it was six on five, there were a couple opportunities where John Carlson was the guy at the side of the net and the puck went to him and on both ends, he's a defense, he's a very talented offensive defenseman, but he's a defenseman and he was open and the puck got to him and he either fanned on it or he missed shot. And I'm like, why isn't Ovechkin there instead of Ovechkin being at the top of the blue line? I think, was, I mean, I think that was a subterfuge kind of thing. Like, okay. If Ovechkin go in there, then you know you're you're more apt to cover it. If Carlson's sort of roaming around, then you might get lucky there and get a goal. That's what I think they were trying to do there. There was a lot of trickery, like yeah. Devontae Smith Pelly kind of blew it when they were trying to put Ovechkin literally in the game like Yager, when Yager would sit on the bench and just jump out on any line. Like he wouldn't sit with any particular players, and the coach would just say go, and someone would run to the to the bench and he would come in. Devontae Smith Pelly. The minute the whistle, the puck dropped, he did a beeline for the bench and Ovechkin came out and it's like, dude, what are you doing? You just telegraphed that. 
Yeah, um, totally. I, I have to I have to just impart this one little thing yesterday. So I, I'm on my way home and I'm I'm listening to this game on on NHL radio, which means I can listen to the Tampa or the Washington broadcast. So of course I'm listening to Dave Mishkin because you know he he, he even though he's way over the top and he is entertaining. And Washington scores the first goal and it's like uh um uh Orlov score. Like that was the like no emotion. You know the crowd goes nuts, and he's like, "Orlov, score!" I and hate then, that, by the way. I right, I know. That, every fiber I, of my being. Right, and then and then Braden Point ties it up, and he, I mean, for lack of a better term, he lo- absolutely loses his shit. He yeah. loses his mind. And he's like, "The Washington announcer is still announcing the goal, and the Lightning have tied it up." And then he's going. I mean, I get being excited. I like hometown announcers, but come, I mean, really. Yeah, How I, think much? Have, I think we have gotten into an era where it's like now you're not even allowed to just say anything other than, yeah, that guy scored. Yeah. And, the, the, and the problem is, and this is the problem that I have, if that was a great play, and I don't know that it was a great play, and to be honest, Orlov's goal was a great goal. Yes. Like, I was completely impressed with that. As yeah. a person listening to that in the car, I had no idea that that really occurred. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So no offense to Michigan is a good guy, but he didn't yeah. do his job there. Yeah, and and there and there are other I mean other announcers that I mean like Sam Rosen I think pretty much does the same call for both. I mean he'll put a little more oomph in it for a Rangers goal, but he pretty much right. does the same. I have you know Jack Edwards is a, is a, is a self described homer, but when when the other team scores he he does he. Yeah, we're will, not asking for a major call, right? We're just asking for a little inflection, right? And- Tell us if it's a great play. Right. It's not a bad thing if you say, hey, you know what? That was a great goal. I, you know, I got to give it to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah What's totally the harm agree. in that? Yeah, there really isn't any harm in that. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it is, we, like we've talked about many times, these guys who work for the teams, it's, it's tricky, you know? But that part's not tricky, yet. Like it, It's really not, and I agree. And I wish unless unless they're unless they're under some directive. Yeah, that's what we don't. Team, that's what we don't know. Team. But I I can't I can't imagine the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think this is a gimmick of Michigan, and that's fine. That's that's what he does. But I can't imagine a, an organization. I do know of a, one organization that you know sort of shies wants shies away at per, at promoting the other team's goals. But I mean, come on, it's it's just professional. Yeah, it just Not gets totally. to me. That's all. Totally. Um. All right, so we talked a little bit uh, before we get into we we have um we have a Russ has a special ex addict today, which we're going to get to in a second. We, um, we do, but, and I do have a prospect that's actually playing in the World Championships to talk about. Oh, cool! And I want to talk about World Championships for one second too. We talked about I yesterday. Really want to that this is like, <laughs> but no, what I want to talk about is this, the I don't know if you saw this the um the tracking they're doing um for statistics. I am not like a I love stats, but I'm I not did a, see it, but we can't talk about it because it has to do with the guy that I'm going to talk about. So if you want to talk about that, then I'm going to talk about the guy that well, we should do that. But the, this, this is the actual video of this, which is unbelievable of what they're doing there. So I want to show you guys this. This is so they've they've had four cameras basically um, embedded in, in the in this in the roof. And these these things are tracking this the play as it happens. Check this out. This is amazing. All right. So it's tracking the play. So every player is being tracked so you can see exactly where he is and you can see how long he has the puck um you can see the puck puck passes taking place um it's just unbelievable really i mean and it's they've had this technology for a couple of years now yeah but i've never seen it i've never actually seen it 
I've never seen this example before myself. So I was just kind of like, well, yeah, you have for soccer, haven't you for the world cup? Yeah. For the world cup for soccer. And the, you know, so it's tracking real. It really is. I mean, fascinating the, what this gives the ability this gives, this gives people moving forward. Is, is, this, game, is this game on Fox? Cause the, I, know that, oh, I know you're saying the streak the streak where the puck goes there, but what's great about it is like the fact that you can not only track it, it somehow it marks every player. It, the, it, the computer is able to pick up every player by their number instantly as to where they are. They've been able to track the player who skated the fastest in. I don't, I don't think it's that. I think they, I mean, most of these players now, uh, they have the little like micro dot or a little chip on their, on somewhere on their paraphernalia that, that allows yeah, this different technology than that. This, the, the cameras are, are tracking the numbers. Um, yeah, and this is camera driven. Wow. Camera driven. It's, it is incredible. I mean, just like this kind of stuff. I mean, the teaching tool this is. Yeah. If you if you if you where you really need this is in youth hockey rinks, you know, like if yes. you have this in youth hockey rinks, the the ability that this gives you to teach is to positioning and stuff like that is intense. Yeah. I mean, the only guy you don't have to track is the goalie. Yeah, that, look, look look where he is here, the goalie. Right, right, he's way back there. He's in the he's in the corner. What the hell is he doing? Yeah, yeah, well, and this and the other thing. So the other thing is, is well, we have to give an homage here. The homage to the fox puck is the really the grandfather of all of this technology because yeah. It had, it's actually what started all this, Mike. We hated the way that it showed on TV because, like, it looked like a video game as far as the shot went. Yeah. What I, what I hated, everything I hate. else came out of the Fox Puck. We have, oh, no, no, I, I agree that what, what, what I hated about the Fox Puck was the sound effects. Yeah. Remember, they, you know, like a guy yeah. takes a slap shot, all of a sudden you're, so like, you'll oh. meet people still, I'll still meet people today that ask why that, why that they, it's amazing. I still like met someone a couple months ago, like, Oh, you know what I missed? I missed that Fox puck. You know, the, the casual hockey fans who like, you know, really thought that was the most incredible. <laughs> I, 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 I still hear it all the time. It's like people did the glowing puck. They still talk about it. Were you, you walking around? Off? I don't, I don't know. Let's get into your prospect rest. Okay. Before so let's, let's talk about Quinn Hughes because I did see yeah. some advanced stats for the world cup, which look, I think is 85% meaningless, but I will tell you that <laughs> If you want to glean one important thing, when you have a rookie that is in the in the world in, in well in the world championships, I called it the world. Yeah. Cup. If you have a rookie that's in the world championships yeah. and he is the top rated passer with seventy something percent on his passes, mm -hmm. then you could say, all right, you know what, this kid's pretty special. Like if you didn't know it already, that's yeah. a pretty special number for anybody. And the fact that he is an eighteen year old defenseman. It just shows you this the the brain that this kid has. I always tell people, look, he's not the biggest guy. He's five cent, five ten, one seventy five. But right. he is a great skater, a great passer, and he thinks ahead of everybody. He treats every opponent the same. He doesn't do any more for one guy mm -hmm. than he does the other. He right. he literally looks at the rink and and basically adjusts accordingly to what he's taught and what he feels is going on in the game. Yeah. And that's different than yeah. what defenseman used to do like 10 15 years ago oh, this kid's special in that regard he's really special i mean watching him play because i've watched these games um just and he's playing like you said again he, i mean the, the, the interesting thing about this you know, you know how many times you get a chance to see a prospect like this play against actual right. real nhlers all the right. time which is what he's doing yeah no, what he's he, doing and he is showing he's showing every bit that he belongs i mean it's it's crazy but but like, he's 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 part of that new wave movement when it comes to defensemen. I mean, he's not, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying he shies away from physicality because I, you know, but but the thing is, he he's not really big, but he puts people on defense because he's so quick, he's so good with with, with his passing, he's so good with the skating that you know he 
I mean, he's not going to be able to muscle people in the corners and teams will have to overcompensate for that, but he's going to be a weapon, Ross. He's going to be somebody that teams are going to have to plan plan against because he's so unusual at the defense position. Yeah, he's a power play quarterback. He's got the great shot, but he's also a really good defender. He does have a little pushback in him, but he doesn't really have to do that a lot because his stick is so good yeah. that he makes his plays that way, a lot of them. And the interesting thing is he probably will go to Michigan for a year, even though he's pretty much ready, same way Zach Wierenski did. Like Wierenski yeah. could have played right away too, but they said, you know what, go go for your year in college, You know, mature on campus a little, work out a lot. That's what they'll do with Hughes too. But the funny thing is, is, you know, right now, I think I have him at about seven or eight in my list. Um, and again, it's not a mock, it's a ranking. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me, though, if he creeps into the top five because someone just says, you know what? We won't get a chance at another defenseman like this for the rest of this draft and maybe the next one. Yeah. But we're going to just, you know, we're going to take him now. We don't care so, what you think or where you rank him. It wouldn't shock me. So you think he's number two behind Darlene in terms of defensemen? Well, really, number three, I have Dobson ahead of him too. Okay, but 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 there are a lot of people who Memorial Cup right now. Yeah, there are a lot of people who have Boquist ahead of, ahead of Quinn Hughes. There yeah, are some the reason, there's a big reason I don't have Adam Boquist ahead of him, and that's because he plays lazy defense with his stick, very lazy at mm -hmm. times, like just basically like barely alive, sort of moving the stick. Not every play, but there is a lot of uninspired defense coming from this guy. And the problem is, yes, is he probably is he the second best power play guy in this draft? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I've got Dobson six and Hughes seven. But the problem is, I don't like his compete on defense at all. And it's gonna have to get a lot better at the NHL level. So I would never touch Adam Boquist ahead of those other guys or Bouchard or Bouchard or Smith either. Just you know, no. they're Correct me if I'm wrong, but Hughes is the is the is the older brother of the other Hughes that you were talking yeah, about the other day, I think right? He's going to be the first overall pick next year. Right? Yeah, he's, I, he's like he's I, like setting like McDavid type records in some places. Yeah. Russ, it may have been something that you said, or it may have been something I heard on an, on another broadcast. But I, I heard there's a possibility that Hughes goes to Michigan. Quinn Hughes goes to Michigan, and then his brother goes there too. It's me because. Okay. Wallstrom's not going to Oliver Wallstrom is not going to Harvard. He's either going to go to BC or Michigan. Right. Quinn Hughes is supposed to go to Michigan. Right. They're buddies. If they both go to Michigan, is it possible that Jack Hughes goes there too? Yeah, I do think it's possible. I know people are going to want him to go to the Ontario Hockey League, but at the end of the day, he might want to go and play with his brother at a big university, and that's good for the kid and it's good for the family. The thing about Jack Hughes is. He's 5'10", 173 also. Like, that is just the way this family is. These yeah. kids will get a little stronger, these guys, but they're already elite skaters and elite thinkers, and their stick-and-puck control are crazy good that it doesn't matter. Like Jack, that, If you've got a brother that's really close to your age and you're playing all the time against your brother growing up, all the time, yeah. you're, you're practicing with him. I mean, you're, these, these guys have just been pushing each other to get better and better and better. And re and remember, their their skills were honed because his their the, the father uh, Jim Hughes was a member of the Maple Leafs uh, player development uh, a department for like f at least five years, maybe more. And they played in the in the in the lower leagues in the Toronto area, so they got the best coaching and the best competition that you know. So you know, there. I mean, there's some crazy numbers, Mike. So with the Toronto Marlboros, his last year with him, Jack Hughes had 159 points in 80 games. Yep. <laughs> About that. Yep. Points a game.
Yep. And then with the NTDP this year, he had 68 points in 36 games. I think he broke Austin Matthews' record, but I'm yep. not certain of it. But I think he did. Yep. That's crazy. That's it, amazing. It's it's amazing. And I'm telling you, Quinn Hughes is no slouch. Like you could have watched Quinn Hughes in in the Frozen Four, and and he was terrific. Like he he was everything you'd want him to be. And now. He's not even looking tired, Eck. Like that's the thing. Oh this, no, I know. He's this like, could this could be this could be the closest thing. And and follow me on this because they're not going to be in the same draft. But this could be the closest thing to the Sedines that we'll get in the sense that if it's a team, yes. if a team that takes Quinn Hughes, and it's a team that is in the rebuild, and they draft Quinn Hughes in one draft, and then they either win the lottery or get close. You could get, you could potentially have both Hughes brothers on one team, and in terms of a PR situation, how, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of a PR situation, how phenomenal would that be? I mean, it'd yeah. almost be worth trading an extra first or something just to get both of those guys. Well, it would be same. possible, right? If I'm if if Seattle comes in next year, that Seattle could actually get. Well, that. they're not going to come till 2020. Wait, wait, okay, they won't right. have a shot at them. Right, yeah. so that's twenty twenty, right? So yeah, so they won't have a shot. I mean, I think no, the, the weird thing about the Hughes brothers is they. It says that they, you know, they're born in Orlando, Florida, but they've spent so much time in Toronto that people, if they're trying to go like the Shane Gossespierre route, like, hey, this kid's from Florida, he's yeah. really not. Yeah, but they play on the American teams, right? Well, so that, that see that that's that's like that's like saying Austin Matthews is from San Ramon, California. He was right. there till he was four months, and then he would move to then they moved to Scottsdale or something like yeah. that. It was like you know, yeah. come on. I mean, so this is another. I mean, so Jack Hughes is a center, correct? Yes. So you're looking. I mean, think think about the U.S. centers potentially. You know, down the line oh, that's here. Crazy. I mean, you add him into the mix as well. I mean, you're just you're really. Are you talking um, about the 2022 Olympics with yeah. Michael Matthews, Jack Hughes? You know, I mean, he'll be 20, what, 21 at that point? Yeah. yeah I mean, you're going to get Johnny Gaudreau's in there. I mean, it's like, it's just. He'll be, he'll be an old 21. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be in, he'll be, if they go to the Olympics. He'll, he'll be really old at like 26 or something. He'll 29. be there if they go. You know, I mean, I bet, I bet anything, you know, the guy, I mean, it's amazing. It's pretty incredible when you think about the. That um, could be the best like Olympic team we've seen since like, you know, the world cup team with Leach and, and, and yeah. those guys. Yeah. Your goaltender will be Connor Hullabuck. Yeah. And the first time probably the U S centers will be able to challenge the Canadian centers. Um, you know, like well, the that, Canadian centers will be getting old. Little, but you still, yeah, the most, a lot of them will be, I mean, you know, yeah, I think still you'd be looking at a combo of like Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko actually. Yeah. As the goalies. Awesome. Yeah, perhaps. Yep. No, it's gonna. If, if, if Dem if Demko's track keeps going the way it is, I mean, he was impressive in the in the Calder Cup playoffs. The only thing about Demko, he followed the same path as all those other guys: Comrie, Hellebuck. They're all from like they all played in similar hockey circles. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's pretty much of the same ilk. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be. I mean, that 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 Olympics in China could be phenomenal. I mean, just the skill level is. Yeah. Too, if, too, if, too. if 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 if. If they go, I mean, if yeah, not, we're looking at the World Cup of Hockey, right? And if, yes. I mean, and you know, it, we're looking, maybe looking at the World Cup of Hockey anyway, right? So that's, and it's funny, I haven't really heard a lot of details about the World Cup of Hockey. Next they're not year. saying anything about it. I know, and you would think that they would be at this point because this would be getting closer. I guess they're trying to be nice to the World Championships because I, yeah. if I had to choose, I like the World Cup better. Why do I like the World Cup better? Because they're playing in NHL rinks, so the ice is smaller, and I do feel the play gets a little chippier when the ice is smaller. 
and wow. and they're and they're playing when there's no other hockey around. They're right. playing August and September, and all they're doing is taking away from teams at training camp for games that nobody cares about. Whereas the World Championships, as I said yesterday, mm-hmm. are being played during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and nobody cares. Now, will they have another team, North America? I don't know, and that's probably the other probably thing. Not. They're probably going to revamp it so they get rid of that because if things had broken right, that team could have won. Well, well, you know why, Ross? Because because the best players on Team USA will still be on Team North America. I mean, I Matthews and Eichel. What I heard when I was there, because there. I asked this question a lot when I was there at the yeah. first, because I was looking ahead. I'm like, you know, these guys. What's going to happen in four years? You know, and there was a big underground push, and this was even like someone, one of the top top people at the NHL, one of the top, I'll just say, top four people at the NHL, told me told me that his his idea. He said, we haven't really talked about it yet, but we have thought about it like you're talking about. And he said, my idea would be that you can only play on Team North America once. And I think that that's not a bad idea. Like just that they, oh, that's fair. they would throw it out there that, you you know, that no matter how old you are, you get you get one play on. Or they, well, want to have, they, they do love having a Team North America. They like having the younger guns because it does show off the future of the NHL. But they, oh, I, I have I have a radical idea instead of the you know the the team the team Europe because remember it was all the S countries it was Slovenia it was Slovakia yeah. it was Switzerland yeah. um how about putting the Czechs and the Slovaks together because the Czechs <laughs> the Czechs are, are are sort of weakening there's a lot of political uprising well, like, isn't that how it was in the fifties and sixties and seventies <laughs> well yeah but I, I but I'm Russians, not suggesting Russians, I'd be like putting Latvia with Russia I think that they would have. <laughs> Russ, I'm not suggesting it. I'm not suggesting it with ru- running T-34s through the streets of Prague. <laughs> no, I'm just saying there's a lot of pride in the Slovaks of not being part of the Czechs. You know, I think that's the issue. And then just like just like Latvia, like we're gonna we're gonna yeah. put the Soviet Union together again, and dance, um, all the Soviet countries have the to. World. Prague and Bratislava. That would, be, you know, that would be like that would be like if they had the World Cup of Hockey and they had to like share locker rooms. Let's put the Finns and the Swedes together. They'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like putting the North and the South together on a softball team back in the American Civil War. You know, it's not really what you want to do. Um, I think that together, it just really to me, I I I, I yeah, do. General, I, General Lee, you can, General Lee, you can run the army. I will tell you this: I actually like the. Team, I I didn't love the Team Europe concept when it started, but I actually did like it by the end. I thought it was good. I thought it was really. Yeah, a good I did concept. think it was good too. I don't know if you know this, Eck, but there were certain times in like the '60s and '70s where in the playoffs those two teams would fly the same airline yeah and like the rangers and and like the flyers as yep, the, i know i know I, I remember by like four rows yeah and it's it, it, yeah i mean and, and they would fun. fly the same plane and that would that was an era when you know they were like uh they, there were serious fights going on between those teams too and yeah. they must yeah, have had, they dave, must have had armed and, guards between them and, and, and dave schultz them. would walk down the walkway and says could i borrow your peanuts <laughs> yeah right you know they're order. you know the whoever's in the front of the bar is ordering has ordered all the beer up by the time it gets to the back no no question okay. there's no way any beer there's no way any beer was making it to the team in the back you want to, you want to see my ecstatic piece yes let's go to ecstatic by the way is so ecstatic the concept of ecstatic is, is something from our past or something older in hockey that we have laying around the house or that we or that we found online that we used to own so if you have one of these i've gotten a couple good suggestions but already just send an email to eklin at hockeybuzz.com with ecstatic in the in the subject but rest is something today I, I found this laying around at a friend's house okay and and they gave it to me um, when John Halligan passed away. He um he was given this. This is from 1934 at the Martinique Hotel. Oh, wow! This, That's awesome. This hold is on. the Ranger Fan Club meeting of 1934. Wait, now hold hold that picture. Hold hold it steady. I I think I see Stan Fischler. <laughs> Do you really? 
No. no. <laughs> but it's pretty amazing he was now. Only 20 at that point, wasn't he? Now, what's interesting is that logo that you see, the R. Yeah. I I have a patch of that, and I put that on a denim jacket because that's from way back then. And oh, he actually, cool. John, still had a patch laying around from, but that's how much fans love their teams that they got dressed up because everybody got dressed up and they went to a hotel ballroom. Like, it's amazing. Uh -huh. That is something. I mean, have you have any of you guys ever done anything with with the NHL fan club like when you were younger? I, I mean, I've spoken at the Flyers fan club twice. And well, that's that's as that's as a professional though. Like, be been a part of or member oh, of or done. Um, I was. I mean, like, remember when I was like maybe a ten or eleven? Um, this the Sabers would have a a fan a fan like they'd have a fan club that have a, a meeting at like some place, and they would have people asking questions to either players or. Um, I think, I think Scotty Bowman, uh, did one, um, they, the one that I went to, um, was Jim Kelly, the former or the, the late great, uh, uh, Buffalo news reporter was, 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 um, taking questions from people. And I think I asked like two or three and okay. anything was the guy, you know, later on as the, as I got, you know, in terms of calling, uh, radio shows and he was always on the shows, he knew who I was back then but of course my allegiance was at that point was buffalo and toronto and then i smartened up and just became a leaf fan here's here's the thing people should go look at a picture of the radisson martinique because it still stands in new york and it's amazing right it's you've seen the side view of it because it's like almost like nothing else you've ever seen it's that really slim kind of look um it was built in 1897 12 stories 165 rooms wow and it's still around today. It, it, I think it was a Hilton for a while, but the the land was bought in eighteen yeah, in eighteen ninety two. They bought the land, and in eighteen ninety three and five, they bought additional land just to get it going. Just imagine how cheap that land was at the time to wow. do it. And it looks like they did a one. They did one expansion in nineteen oh three, another one in nineteen oh seven. So they kept adding on to this place. But but before we before we get into the the weekend games and I've got one more thing though. Can I about this fan club thing for a second? Yes. So, um, because, uh, so I, when I was back, um, in, in, I, I became a member of the flyers fan club, I think in 81, 1981. And yeah. I was for about, I think for about five years. And it was the coolest thing because it was a time when it was a time before the internet. So, you know, it was, it was a chance to meet people who had the same interests as you, which is, you know, now on the internet, you can do that all the time. You, you, you know, you get into forums or message boards, whatever you can find other people back then. That was the crazy thing. Like to actually meet people who, you know, you didn't know, but just were Flyers fans who lived in other parts of the city or parts of the area. Right. Um, and one of my best memories, I mean the one, and I thought it was really great. One, and it was, it was really well run. Um, the, the one memory that I really stuck the one I took and they had fan club trips, which was really cool. They were, and they still do this. The Flyers fan clubs. I, I know all the fan clubs still have trips to places. Like you can take they a trip. Do, actually, the Flyers fan club goes to at least probably three games a year. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I took my trip to the Montreal forum to see the Flyers play. And, um, and I went and, and took the over and it was an overnighter called the Montrealer, which is an Amtrak train that still runs from oh, Philadelphia. The beds in them. Yeah. Right. Philadelphia to Montreal. Has has beds in it, but I didn't. I wasn't able to rich enough to get the bed, so I was I was sleep. I slept on a chair, but um, but it was it was something, and I loved Montreal. But I and as a kid, we would go there all the time, but I never got to go to Montreal Canadiens game, and um, so I went to a Flyers Canadiens game in the Forum, which is still the only time I've been in in that building. So that still is is is, is wonderful to be able to say that I was there because yeah. I didn't know that I'd be doing this later in life or anything like that. So sure. the the fact that I can say that I was in the Forum and saw a game there, 
was all because of the fan club, much the Flyers fan club. And um, yeah, it's definitely something I, I definitely recommend looking up to your local local fan clubs because especially for your kids and stuff like that. Even though we can connect with people, there are some they do get good rates. Like we had a good rate, but it was not expensive. I remember that was the crazy thing about the trip to Montreal. I remember it wasn't that expensive. Um, you know, the train was an overnight train, of course, but it wasn't like a flight. But the hotel and everything, and the tickets to the game was—it was really great. It was really something. People like the Flyers fan club, you know, aside from people like me, they get like players. They get—they've had yeah. like players and coaches sometimes go in there and and speak. And oh yeah, yeah. So and it's, and it's, it's a it's a tight knit group. Like there's not that many people in it. You would think that you know, oh, the Flyers. Oh, fan no, no, no. Actually, there's more than you think now. It's oh really? Yeah, they had a pretty big list when I was there. It was um. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was a couple hundred people, maybe. It felt like. Well, yeah, but yeah, that's what they have now. It's still. I mean, a couple hundred people is not a lot of people. Where like, if you if you go to like a meeting like once a month, you're going to meet those people pretty quickly. You're going to get to know I them. Guess. You can get I to guess. know everybody pretty fast. So it's not like you're going to be in a in a nameless person in there. You got to know yeah. everybody really quickly. By the way, Geo in the chat room wants to um, go drinking later with Mike, and he'll buy him a Zima. <laughs> Great, thanks. Um, yeah. no, just, go just, ahead, Mike. Um, Russ, any. Any new news on the Rangers coaching search? Because I mean, this, there's been some talk that, that they're waiting for a couple. I mean, one person might be Sheldon Keith, the Toronto Marlies coach. But I, I, I listened to Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts podcast, and he was saying that he doesn't think that that Keith is on the uh, on the radar for them. Who are they waiting for? I think they're waiting on Todd Rudin. I do. I think they're waiting on the Caps assistant because I think they feel like Trotz will get signed. And if he gets signed, are they really going to block Reardon again? I don't think so. He's been there, what, five years? I mean, at some point, they got to let him try and get a job. And so yeah. I think I think that's who they're ultimately waiting for. But I don't know if Elliot's 100% on this because if Reardon, for some reason, gets the job because Trotz leaves and there's some kind of weird right. thing going on like that, the Rangers are going to look at Sheldon Keefe and they're right. going to look at him pretty fast. And, right. and so, and here's the thing. I don't think like they have to wait. Like if, if, if this next round goes and let's say the Marlies beat the Phantoms, right. I know Phantoms fans, I'm just, it's a hypothetical. Okay. But if they do, you know, they could talk to him right after that series ends and hire yeah. him. And, and you know, if that were to be what happens and, there's no problem there. He could just spend his time with the Marlies. And Kyle Dubas, I mean, he hired Sheldon Keefe at, at in Sault Ste. Marie um, when it was controversial to hire him, and he's he's play he's been very good for the development of players with the Marlies. He indicated when he got hired uh, last week that uh, he would not stand in the way of Sheldon Keefe if he if he got offered an NHL job. So, I mean, it's it's possible, and we'll, we'll see. And let's just say it'll be a feather in his cap if they go on to win the Calder Cup. Uh, that would just make his resume even more, um, you know, full. Yeah, and I think those two guys are the kind of guys the Rangers need because they both are used to working with young talent, you know, like Reardon, you know, like I had mentioned the other day, and Scranton did a great job. He had guys like Latestu there. Guys, I mean, nobody thought Mark Latestu was going to be an NHLer, and and he became a pretty good NHLer, really. I mean, yeah, no, seriously. And there were others, and there were others there, and then obviously Reardon has. You know, if you think about the amount of youth that the Capitals have elevated to that team and pretty seamlessly yeah. worked them in, I mean, he, you know, he's a big reason for that. So, but the interesting thing is though, and people are starting to talk about it is. In that Toronto situation, we don't hear anything about Mark Hunter. You hear nothing. And 
Go ahead. If you got something on Mark Hunter, tell me. Well, and and, and uh, like I said, I'll give I'll give full credit. It was it was uh, it was Elliot Friedman again. Um, mentioned that there is some talk uh, that Mark Hunter may follow Lou to the Islanders. Um, now, the thing is, though, if that is actually the case, I mean, what what is Garth Snow doing? I mean, is Garth Snow being fired for Lou? No. And if Lou, nope. so, Garth Snow so, so Lou, Lou comes, Lou comes in as say team president, and if right. and if what Elliot Friedman was, and he was just speculating. There's a rumor out there. If Hunter, you know, there are no other options in the league. He either stays in Toronto, goes back to London, or maybe this opportunity there where he could basically do what he's doing in Toronto with the Islanders. But what is Garth Snow doing then? His he's completely his his authority has been completely usurped by by Lamorello and by by Hunter. So oh, no, they're gonna say that they're gonna do things together. Yeah they're gonna say and, that. And so that's what they're gonna do. And that's the way they'll handle it. The interesting thing is is if Hunt walks in there Look, the Islanders are undermanned as far as the amount of personnel that they have. So Hunter could literally walk in there and be the director of amateur scouting, and then they could re reassign Eric Cairns, who's pretty much been doing more than one job since he's been there and been handling the draft and everything else. And he's done a nice job. But if you can get more Connor, I, I think Eric Cairns would understand that, hey, you know, this is the way it's going to go. Yeah, right. So that's – that would just be a very big positive for the Islanders because they're undermanned right now in their front office. And this would really not only put great talent in there, but elite talent for at least building the team. Because let's face it, if they do that and they lose Tavares, those are probably the two of the best guys you could have in the league to go in there to try and rebuild that franchise yet again. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I wonder, you know, I'm not saying there's collusion or anything like that. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, you wonder with, with how undermanned they are. And I've, I've heard this from not just you, but other people too, talking about how undermanned the Islanders are. You have to wonder if they kind of had an idea about this Lou thing at some point, like at some, you know, like, and, and, you know, maybe just held off on bringing people in. Um, I wonder, I, I might, might be wrong, but well, here's the thing. I mean, this is, this is how bad it really is for the Islanders, right? I'm reading a Newsday article where Eric Cairns did a phone interview and he basically said like for the draft, we need everything right now. Yeah. Islanders should not need everything right now for the, where they've been falling, you know, yeah. out of the playoffs and in the draft and everything else. But things are askew for them. Right. I mean, Josh Hosang for whatever reason, hasn't fully developed yet. Ryan. Yeah, Paul I mean, has. That's good. To tell, tell, tell me that, tell me the effect that, uh, Lou Lamorello would have on that organization in re in re regards to Josh Hosang and the type of type of personality that, that he is. To me, I think that's like one of the first things he does is get rid of him. No, unless unless he thinks he can straighten the kid out. No, Lou, Lou is um, Lou is strict, but he has but he's also definitely a talent first guy. And I think I think he looks at Hosang as as some as somebody he could try he straighten out. Like I think he, I think he finds the right person on the team. To work with him like that lose lose great at setting up players with other players he'll he'll right. say he'll go to he'll bring in somebody and he's like your job is to get hosang in line like that's that's what that's what he'll do you know that's the way that's well, what he did in new jersey too. and that's why new jersey was so successful for all those years well, I'll, I'll spit i'll spitball this one uh if lou goes to the islanders i'll, I'll bet you that matt martin ends up back with the islanders because matt martin was one of his signings yeah, 
Yeah, it's a slam yeah. dunk. And I think I totally think you're right about that. But remember Kovalchuk, okay? Who Lou went Lou goes out and gets yeah. Kovalchuk. And and there's not many people who have, you know, but then again, but Lou will take talent. Like he has he does have his level where he's like, if there's a talented guy, I will he will he will give it a shot. Um, and he's the kind of guy because Lou believes in right really so because he is a he is a threatening type of character that he can that he can get people to listen to him and he and he does often get people to listen to him to the point where he becomes really close like the point where Kovalchuk and Lou became close even though Kovalchuk retired like he did they were still really tight and, and Kovalchuk didn't once he was in New Jersey Kovalchuk didn't want to play anywhere else he wanted to stay in New Jersey if he was going to play in the NHL he was going to stay there that was surprising to people because they thought when he got traded there he was like oh I got traded there but I'm going to go someplace else he loved it there yeah no well, I and Look, I think I think Kovalchuk could go there. Uh, if the Rangers say, "Hey, no dice," that's the next best place for him to go because technically he'd be playing in Brooklyn and he wants to live in Brooklyn. I don't know if he, I don't know if he wants to live in Manhattan. I don't, I think he'd probably rather live in Brooklyn where a lot of the other players are. Well, I think, the if, I think if he wants to live in Manhattan, he can commute. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he still has a place in New Jersey, honestly, because like you know, sometimes I, <laughs> I doubt he does, but he could. Because what happens with some of those players like that, you know, like they have these really, really nice houses and they don't sell. Like they just, they don't, you know. Or they, su or they sublet it to players. Right. Or, or, they, or they, they, they just, they, yeah, they I don't think he bought though. I never heard that he bought. Okay. I thought he did. Let me okay. Remember, guys who live in Brooklyn are still and, and are out of the area. Guys like Sergey Zubov. Uh, I think Kovalev still has a place there. Like, there's a big community there. It's ironic you just mentioned Kovalev because it just came over the over Twitter that Kovalev is the new coach of the Kunlin Red Star of the uh, KHL. There you go. Really? Okay. But I never, I never thought Alexi Kovalev would be in management or coaching at any. Here's level. the thing. I, I will tell you this about him, and I've spoken to him more than a few times with Russian reporters around and without, right? And keeping any. Before I was a writer, Ranger fan aside, he's a very down-to-earth guy, yep. a very humble guy, and he's really smart. And crazy he smart, Russ. I mean, like, like – a lot smart. of things the hard way because of all the crazy talent that he had. But, yep. You know, like Mike Keenan didn't know what to do with him, right? I mean, we can go through his whole story, but he learned a lot of things along the way, and I think he'll be a great coach. I think he could be an amazing coach. I really do. Like, I, I'm with you on that. Like, he is a crazy smart guy. Um, and, and you know, what's good about him too, is like a perspective guy, like where he has like, you know, he, he does get, you know, similar to what Babcock has, which is like that good person, you know, he's a good coach, but he's also got good perspective on life in general and things like that. Kovalev is the same way. Like he, he's, and he, and he really does have a lot, you know, he, he follows, you know, he's very smart, very cultured, follows everything that's going on and, and then knows all the tricks as a player, you know, that a player does to get out of working. Which is something that, and he admitted that as he got later in life. Like I basically yep. thought he was he was smart. He was too smart for his own good as a player because he could he yes. knew he knew what he had to do to still keep his status. But he didn't. He never had to go beyond it. Now uh, I know you you had something on on uh, Justin Falk. Yeah, I want to get into Justin Falk before we go because um, we had to leave really soon here. Uh, we're up against the clock, but um, yeah. So we asked about Justin Falk yesterday because I guess um, Peg, Dave Pagnetta mentioned it. Um, yeah, it, it actually it actually he he. It actually came from an interview that that Russ let us know about with Don Waddell on Sirius okay. XM with Steve Coolius, and and then and then Bob McKenzie uh, reported that essentially everybody except maybe Sebastian Baajo and Martin Neckesh, their their first round pick from last year, they're willing to listen on yeah. deals, and of course the name of Falk comes up because right, you know, and obviously. 
Right. So I did some research into this to see because um, the other thing that he had re- talked about was that when we uh, did research in as well, which was the idea of moving PK Savan, which I found not to be the case. But this one I found he's that he's that he's he's on, he's on track with. Um, like when I went through talking to people, um, Toronto definitely has interest in him. Um, yes, but it's conditional, and this this is this is the thing. Well, everything's conditional. Well, no, but I know, but this this according according to what i what i was able to you know just find out from from other mm. reports back in the day um the leafs have expressed interest a couple times on falk and backed off each time because the request back was something that they were not willing to even get close to well that's uh, yeah that's, right, they were they, they, the first the first name out of their mouth was a Neilander or a connor brown mm. and something and the thing is is that Although Falk is a really good defenseman, he had a ba- he had a bad year last year. He's still a good player. He's only 26 years old. He's only got two years left on his contract, and then he's a UFA. And you're not going to give up a 21 year old like a Casper Kapanen or a William Nylander who you can lock who you have lockup rights on for six years for a guy who's a who's a short term plug, even though he's a good player. Here's the funny thing. I agree with you, Mike. He. He's very much like Heath Yandel. He's not great in his own end, and he's gotten worse in his own end. Now, he is a really good leader. That's where he's a little better than Yandel, because in the locker room, he has been a great leader for Carolina. There's no question. But on the ice, he's very similar to Jake Gardner, and really the points are very similar to Jake Gardner. He's just been elevated in our minds, Eck, because he's been on a lot of these U.S. teams. But he's playing on the ice, and look – has he had the best guys to play with? No. So I still think he can get in that forty-seven point range. Right. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's very different than Gardner. I mean, I and I oh, got. No, I got. No. 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 no, no. I mean, points wise, is they, they play different. They play different roles on their teams. You know, like it's it's hard to it's really hard to compare. Like Falk plays a lot more defensive minutes than Gardner does. Um. It, right. But but Falk. But not lately. Not, no. No. And that, and that's that's the thing, Eck, is that there's been a transition in Carolina in terms of the onus of responsibility from Falk to Slavin and Pesci and to a lesser extent Hannafin. And that's where that organization is going. Now, the thing is, if they're looking for a return, like the rumor is with, with Toronto, they're not getting it for Falk. They might get, you know, a package deal and get a first round pick and a prospect or something like that. They're not getting like a 21 year old potential star, like a Neilander in a deal. for uh, just a, you're ta- If you're trading Neilander to the, to the Carolina hurricanes, the first name out of Toronto's mouth is Noah Hannafin. And if I know, not, but then forget just like it. the first name out of, you know, out of when you were trying to trade Taylor Hall, the first name out of your mouth was not Larson. If you, if you hold on long enough, that's what you end up with. Well, and I think that's, that's what they're going to learn that uh, the lesson here is, Right now, Nylander and Kavanagh have value, have a lot of value, and sure. you can get a lot for them. Um, right. But there's not going to be enough puck to go around in Toronto for their All value right, to stay high. crack up at this. So Jake Gardner has played seven years, same as Justin Falk. He's got 215 points. Justin Falk has 223 points. Now, yep. Justin Falk's a minus 109, but I'm going to give him a break because he's been on some bad teams. But so Jake Gardner. But – no, but but Jake Gardner is actually only a minus ten. He's probably yeah. been on worse teams than Justin Falk. So I, I mean, I'm making my I'm making your argument for you, but I would say I it's know, but, well, no. Justin Falk has played. Justin Falk couldn't be any closer. Yeah, Justin Falk has played top pairing minutes for a for a non playoff team for seven years, and Jake Gardner last year when he was a plus twenty something, twenty four, I think it was, yeah. was protected by Mike Babcock and avo- he, they yeah. avoided matchups against top lines like the plague because he knew he would get burned. 
every time, and he got burned every time he was yeah. played against the top line this their year. Their points every are time. identical. They're, they're this comes down, this, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I get, and it's an, it's a really intriguing argument. Um, but the, and, 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 this comes down to what you think. I mean, they're, this they're Toronto is very close to falling into the Edmonton trap here. Um, you know, by not, but by not by overvaluing everybody and I'm not, and now, and they all have value right now, but at some point, you know, what happened in Edmonton is you had so many great, great quote unquote top forwards and stuff like that, that there wasn't enough puck to go around and the points weren't there. Right. So what's going to happen in Toronto is potentially the same thing. And Kapanen, by the way, is an enormous, is an enormous thing for the Carolina hurricanes to go after. Cause remember, Sammy Kapanen is a God in Carolina. Right. Okay. So is his son, you know, wearing number 24 or whatever, whatever, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at a huge value and you might be able to get Hannah Finn for Kaepernick captain. That's how huge the value is. But at the end of the day, um, there's no question that Kaepernick, if I, if I'm, if I am them, I'm looking at Kaepernick really hard because and, and, and if, if, if they're okay, Hannafin is the type of defenseman. I mean, you're, you're pleasing, you're pleasing both. You know Kyle Dubas if he is if he is targeted Hannafin as a guy that he wants, and Mike Babcock because remember three years ago Babcock wanted Mitch Marner wanted to take Hannafin over Mitch Marner at number four. So you, there's not going to be a tug of war over a guy like Noah Hannafin. He provides size. He's offensive. He's you know he and he's only 21 years old and you have control over him for another. For at least four years and maybe more if you sign him to a long-term deal. No, the, no pro- the problem the problem with Falk is if you trade for Falk and you trade assets to get him, your defense you have so many of the same type of defensemen right now. Riley, Gardner, Dermot. How many offensive-minded defensemen can you uh, add to a defense? For that. I don't think that's yeah, a big every NHL team is stuck with that right now. Like every every team, every team has an abundance I, of offensive defense right now. Like yeah, defense. I think you need a ba- I think you need a balance. You can't have too many of them. Otherwise, all you're gonna do is spend a time in your own zone getting walked around. I mean, who has ultimately more potential? About, though, Go the ahead. thing, it's being written about way too much in Boston for the Carolina side of things. So on the Carolina side of things, if Boston's hoping to unload David Krejci, there's no way Carolina's taking that contract unless Boston were to eat like two and a half million a year. No. And he's got a modified no trade, so he probably could point out that trade anyhow. So that's one thing. Well, the, well on. let me, go ahead. The other thing is the strength of the Boston Bruins is their defense. Bakkenanen, mm. they still have um, – and these are guys who haven't gotten there yet. They still have um, – Zaboro, they still have Jeremy Lawson. They still have three or four really good defensemen coming. Why in the world are they going to trade young assets to get Hannafin? Right. Makes no sense because you're going to also also have to give him an instant yeah. raise but, and sign him to a long-term deal. I don't get it. But flip, flip it on the other end there, Russ. Okay. The last thing Carolina wants is more defensemen. In, in exchange for Hannafin. No, no, I, gonna, agree. I agree. Yeah, they want they though they're gonna want they're gonna want. But that's why I was mentioning Krejci. But there's right. no way they're taking David Krejci. No, I mean, no, they're, they're they're gonna they're gonna want Bjork or first Becca Carlson. They're gonna they're gonna want Ryan Donato. They're gonna want Becca you know, Carlson. They they don't want him. I bet he's 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 long way from being ready. I think. Um, but you know what I'm saying? They they yes. they want their to, they want the top forward prospects in that organization, or even guys who have made the NHL like. Jake DeBrusque. They tell yeah. me that then I they'll want Jake DeBrusque for for, yeah, uh, for Jake DeBrusque and I'll give you a name like um 
Trent Frederick, who didn't get traded to the Rangers. They'll want that. Right. Yeah. That's what they'll want for Hannafin because it'll, at the end of the and they'll probably have to give back a draft pick. And But at the end of the day, that's the kind of deal that they'd want because Hannafin is a top three defenseman, right? He's going to be somewhere in that yeah. for most teams, and especially when Chara goes. But the idea is they've got Vakanainen, who's probably just yeah. a year away. Like, it's just none of this makes sense. I think this is just like writing – People are writing this on the Boston end because the guy's from Massachusetts. Like, I, I wouldn't even want to put that pressure on him, to be honest. I wouldn't even want to put the pressure on him. I think that the pressure would be too much for him to be there. I think he's better off playing someplace else for a while, for a little bit longer. While if you know, maybe someday he comes back to Boston. But you know, for but now, the reason Jimmy VC didn't go there, he, you know, right? They, there's so much pressure. I mean, players they know it. I mean, they and they get it even from the fact that when they go and they grow up there and then go play college there, they they see it. And then then Boston Bruins, there's a whole other level beyond playing for BU. So it's like completely. Yeah. You know, I just think the pressure is intense. Um, I think you guys, we got to go, but I do think you guys are underestimating um, the what people in the league think of Justin Fox's potential versus Gardner. I think it's. I'm a lot just higher. telling you, I think his reputation's overrated based on his Olympic. There are still people out there who don't agree. I mean, I, well, I mean, he might be right. He might very well be that way. But I'm telling you, there are still right. people that I that that I've talked to. And Falk, I would not be surprised if Falk ended up in Toronto or Philly. Like I Falk, read, like Falk is going to make Falk is going to make the U.S. Olympic team. Jake Gardner is not, but the point is, is that the, the same type of defenseman. And when you have three defensemen already like him, adding another one doesn't make a lot of sense. So but you also want to add a leader like the rest. If, Philly, you gets, add, if, if Philly gets Justin Falk, he will age the same way Mark Streit did. How did that work out? Hmm. For a couple of years, Mark Streit was terrific, and then all of a sudden. It they got Mark Strait when he was much older than they got Mark Strait much no, older than Justin. But I'm telling you, we gotta go. That's how deficient yeah. Falk is defensively now. Before we go, um, real quick, um, we do want to send our hearts and thoughts and prayers out to the people in Texas, Santa Fe today. The the terrible shooting. Um, I really, you know, I'm not gonna get political here, but I, 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 I'm getting embarrassed to live in this country sometimes. The fact that you know that neither side can figure out what the hell to do about this just really is embarrassing, and I really feel terrible for the people down there, and and hope that everything turns out. For the best and hope the people who are injured right now do recover um and uh that's it so we'll talk to you guys later without the buzz it's just hockey enjoy the games tonight we didn't even talk about that but that's going to be so much fun and uh games tonight. Yay. it's a big one big one this this vegas tonight man imagine what will happen if vegas wins tonight we'll talk to you soon remember without the buzz just hockey talk to you then it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.